Welcome to Real Work, Real Life, where we talk to real people about what they do for work. Today I'm talking with Chelsea, an electrical engineer. This career requires a college degree in the field and, in some situations, a multi year apprenticeship followed by testing for further certification. While that can be daunting for some, the benefit is that jobs with clear licensing provide credibility and some clearer career paths than other industries. People working in electrical engineering are in high demand, and the earnings potential plus solid benefits, reasonable hours, and work-life balance can make it a great career for people interested in that type of work. It seems well-suited to someone that likes solving problems, working as a team, and having a concrete result of their work in completed projects. Chelsea has had a great career and is now a leader in her company, but electrical engineering remains pretty male-dominated. One source I found said that 90% of electrical engineers were men. Chelsea did note that the benefits package was a bit on the traditional side. Starting employees might get typically two weeks of vacation, and benefits like parental leave might be present but on the shorter side. Reevaluating that benefits package seems like an easy first step to get more diversity into the field. Chelsea mentioned that licensed engineers get to stamp their own drawings, and if I have one regret from this interview, it's not getting to see one of those stamps, but I hope it is comically large, because engineering feels like a field that could use a little bit of whimsy. So let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me, Chelsea. Thank you. Nice to be here. So let's start off with what do you do for work? I degreed as an electrical engineer, um, and I'm working in that field. What interested you initially about it? How did you get into the field? So I got into electrical engineering because my grandfather was an electrical engineer, which is, I think, a pretty unusual way for someone to get into engineering. It's not really like one of those businesses that's passed down generationally. But my grandfather owned a business doing electrical controls engineering. And so I got to see some of that firsthand and it just really vibed with uh, my personality, I guess. That's so cool. How did you get there? What was the education like? Like, did you require any certifications or anything to start working? So I did a, um, a full four-year degree at a technical college, like your Virginia Tech, you know, that type of school. Mm -hmm. In this field, you're required to work for four years under a licensed professional engineer, and then you can sit for your professional engineering license. There is actually a step before that. You can basically take an engineer in training, or I think they call it the fundamentals of engineering exam right now. And you can do that as soon as you graduate from college. That's like the, the step before the PE exam. Mm -hmm. And then you take the PE exam and that's when you get your actual, your license. So kind of similar to a lawyer or an accountant, you get professionally licensed. And at that point, you can stamp your own drawings and you're kind of elevated in your field by that. Did your college help you find that first spot to work underneath a professional engineer for four years or were you sort of on your own to do that? No. And so here's one big thing that I really didn't know when I was in school. And that is that there's there's such a wide variety of types of work you can do in electrical engineering. And some of them don't even require the PE exam. Oh, interesting. So if, for instance, if you're working in microelectronics, which is doing computer chips, that's generally not something that requires a PE license. I also worked for quite a while in the nuclear industry. And because they 
are kind of their own industry unto themselves. A PE license isn't isn't a big deal in that industry. So you could just graduate from school and then do the fundamentals of engineering piece first and just start working instead of doing the four-year sort of apprenticeship. Right, exactly. Cool. So the more general electrical engineering fields, if you're going to go into anything with a less regulated utility, a non-nuclear utility, or into more of the infrastructure environment, which is what I'm in now, building buildings, you need to be able to have a PE license and to be able to stamp your own drawings. There are there are multiple paths even within each of those subfields. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about engineering is that you can you can be a licensed engineer and that helps you move up in your field. But you can you can also enter this field and be um, an unlicensed engineer and do a lot of the same work, but then your work would be reviewed by someone with a license and they would stamp it. Do you have a sense of how much college and the certifications cost you in total? Um, I was, so I was trying to look into this. Um, I was very lucky to receive some scholarship and some support from my grandfather, who was an electrical engineer. So, you know, and of course, going out of state, in state has a huge effect on that as well. Mm -hmm. But I think it was something like $120,000 for the four years Mm -hmm. of school. I might be off a little bit, but, but I ended up with thankfully not as much in student debt as a lot of people Mm -hmm. do. Um, having had such a good support system. Yeah, gosh, so many people are working against that for so long in their early career. How do you view the prospects in this job for people getting in today? Are the job prospects really strong or is is it tough to find your first job? Uh, right now is a great time to be graduating as an electrical engineer. There is a dearth of people and new people coming in and being in a management position at this point, I'm involved in you know hiring new engineers into my group and it is just almost impossible to find someone. It's a, it's a great time. You can really set a little bit of a higher starting salary than there really has been any time in the recent past. I would really love to hear about, you know, what someone could make starting out and then, you know, sort of the high end you mm-hmm. think might be. I'd love to hear that. Absolutely. Too. Um, so when I was starting out, it it was during the sort of recession in the late aughts. And so I started out, I think, around $55,000. Mm-hmm. New engineers fresh out of school with no experience right now are getting around seventy. And I, I would say that as an engineer, those numbers tend to be a little bit low in the beginning, but you know, with good performance, they rise very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, it really didn't take me very long to go from 55 to 100. And then moving into management, now I'm making 130. And I'm, I'm at a level, many companies call it an associate level, which is the level under an owner or a partner. Uh, that's, again, something I didn't really know coming into the industry is a lot of companies, particularly smaller ones, are set up similar to like a law firm in that there are partners slash owners and there are the associates are the leadership in the staff under them. Oh, I would have never guessed that. I would love to see a standardization of levels of leadership names because associate in some companies is like a starting entry 
entry level yeah, position. Yeah. Clearly, that's really different here. So it's always interesting to hear the the little nuances of names, but. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely fluctuates between industries. I've noticed that. What about things like healthcare, paid time off, retirement contributions, education, you know, support for education? What does that look like at your company? I would say at my company and at all of the different engineering firms I've worked at, which have ranged from a very small firm with 15 people up to a national firm with, you know, tens of thousands of people, it's all been pretty standard is what I would say. There's not a a huge incentive in any of the industry companies that I've seen to really go out there and go for like some great PTO offers. Or I have never seen a, a company that does extended maternity leave. Wow. I think engineering tends to be a little bit more of a traditional company. And so they, they're not they're not on the cutting edge of benefits. I'll say that. But it's always been fairly good and and steady and reliable. Are you talking about like two or three weeks vacation, six to eight weeks parental leave or, mm-hmm. or less than that or more than that? Yes. So I think the standard start starting out of school is two weeks vacation. And that grow that grows with your um, experience level. I think uh, at this point, I'm at four weeks of vacation. Mm-hmm. Actually, my current company has a little bit different structure where they would just have a pot for PTO. And that includes everything, vacation, sick time and holidays. I hate that policy. Yeah, I don't I don't love it either. It's really hard. But you know, I think it's part of that that engineering type of mind where people like to like hoard their little bank of sick hours and know right. that they're covered versus, you know, with just PTO, it's kind of a use it or lose it thing. But my company is pretty good about trying to encourage everyone to take all of their PTO. Oh, that's that is great. Um, thinking about kind of location, is this a field where there are certain hubs where there's a lot more jobs and a lot better pay, or is it sort of like the opportunities are kind of everywhere and pay will vary a little bit by cost of living, but there isn't a clear central this is where you'd move if you're into electrical engineering? So I think that that depends on you know what little sub category you get into. So I think microelectronics, obviously, I think. California is a big hub for that. I know there was a big industry for that in the area I went to school, which was in Florida. There's, and obviously nuclear power is going to be centered around where there are a lot of nuclear power plants. Or if you go into some other type of utility, you're going to be want to be near one of those kind of hubs. But general construction and what I do is focused on educational buildings and universities, building grocery stores, those types of buildings. Those are a little bit more general as far as like where you can be. That's a little bit more flexible. So I'm working in New England and Boston is probably the biggest city in New England. That That's probably where the most jobs are just due to the how many people are there. But there, there are jobs throughout New England in my industry. And I have found that the the pay difference between Boston and other locations, particularly with COVID and the increase in remote work has really leveled the playing field. So mm. we've we have some folks in our employ at, at work that live quite remote from our main office. Mm-hmm. I think of electrical engineering often as a more male dominated industry. Do you see that changing or is that true in your organization? 
It's definitely still true, though I, I obviously am a manager, which I think is even more unusual in my industry. So it's changing, but it's changing slowly because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a it's a more traditional industry, and I just don't think that people see engineers, you know, working out in the field, and so it's just never a job that really uh, comes to mind when you're a kid. You know, you see the firefighters, you see nurses, you see the Richard Scary books. Yeah, the doctors and stuff. But there's not really a lot of publicity for engineers. Even on on television, you know, there's some great shows out there about lawyers and and obviously doctors and and kind of the main fields. But I think the only TV show that really highlights engineers is probably Star Trek. So <laughs> There's no Grey's Anatomy for engineers. No, there isn't. No third watch for engineers. <laughs> Absolutely not. So I'm kind of a fan of of the boring jobs. <laughs> so I do. I think that's a big misconception, though, that mm-hmm. it's a boring job. Um, some other misconceptions, you know, there's no women in it. Everyone who works engineering is an introvert. None of that is true. <laughs> so it is a great job and aligns well with people who are more introverted, uh, particularly if you um, are someone who doesn't really want to have to climb that ladder and be a manager and do that, there's great opportunities to still have a very well-paying position mm-hmm. as an engineer without without going that route. Yeah. So many professional careers, there is this pretty clear ceiling if you don't want to go into people leadership, at which point the job requirements change drastically. So it's interesting to hear of an example where you can rise fairly high in an organization without being a a manager. Walk me through your average day. What does it look like? When do you start? What do you mostly do? When do you get done? It is. It can really vary from day to day. So a typical day, though, I usually get in the office around 830. Um, I have staff that work various schedules, you know, from starting really early to starting later in the morning. So I usually check in with whoever's there when I'm there. And I check emails, I kind of run through my to do list for for the day, I check to see because my work is very project based. I check to see what are the deadlines that are coming up this week for projects. And then I usually have some company internal meetings, regular meetings, we talk about, again, like schedule, what's coming up for projects, or we'll have a meeting that's specific for a project. And then I, even as a manager, I still am involved with design work um, pretty heavily. So I usually am reviewing a younger engineer's work, um, or we're discussing, you know, the next step in the design. Um, and then very frequently, and I, I, I think this is also something that's less known about the industry, um, we actually get to go out uh, out of the office and do work outside of the office. So I might need to go and look at a new building and assess it to see what's the condition that it's in. And that, that information I would bring back and start writing a report. And we also have projects that might be in construction. So one day I might spend my entire day driving out to a construction site to check on the progress of of a building that's being erected. So it really can can vary quite a bit day to day. That's really cool. I that reminds me I forgot to ask you what do the hours look like? What is the kind of work life balance seem like for you? And related question, 
Are there a lot of schedule options in the field? You mentioned that people have different starting and end times, but do you have anybody working part-time or um, working any kind of different schedule? We do. Yep. Our company has a hybrid work schedule. um, So folks can work all week in the office if they choose. They can work partly from home. Uh, What I've seen a lot in the industry is at core hours. Mm -hmm. So 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. is our company's core hours. But even that, you know, under specific circumstances, the leadership will approve a change to that. I have one person in my department who works 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And that wow. that works for them. So mm-hmm. um, and we can accommodate that. Uh, I feel that I have done a really great job throughout my career in advocating for myself in that area. I am not someone who likes to work extra hours. <laughs> I I have a lot of great things going on in my life outside of work that yeah. I feel deserve equal attention. And in my career, for the most part, I've been able to keep my work to 40 hours a week. There are occasions where a big project is going out and you know you come into some unforeseen circumstance and you need to work some extra hours. Um, but that's really an exception rather than a rule. Yeah, the more people I've talked to, I, I'm sure there are times where people cannot escape working really, really long hours. But there is definitely an element of personal boundary setting in the hours that you work. If you can be really efficient in the time that you're working and you're able, as you have more capital in your career, to set boundaries, it does seem like it's possible to have a really amazing career inside of that 40 hours a week. It, it's definitely possible. Um, it's definitely also possible to put yourself in a position where you're working 60 hours a week. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a huge element of time management and at the managerial level, um, you know, distributing work downwards mm-hmm. that you need to do to manage your own, your own time commitment. Um, I, but I do think again, with the industry being a little bit more traditional, there does tend to be Especially, it, it it varies by company, of course, but there does seem to be more of an attitude of, you know, kind of proving yourself by working really hard and working those extra hours. Um, and I I just don't think that that employees really get the benefit from that that they that they really think that they do. There's a lot more benefit in work life balance there. In it for the long haul. Yeah, exactly. And I really encourage the engineers that work under me to not work overtime. I've asked, I asked them, please don't come in on the weekends. If for some reason you really find that you're, you're behind on a project, come to me and we'll see if there's someone else on the team that can jump in and help you out and share that workload rather than you just trying to truck along and, you know, work 20 extra hours over the weekend to get something done. So yeah, absolutely. What type of personality do you think does really well in this job? Well, I think I think I touched on this, but it, it there is a perception that a, a more quiet, introverted person will be better at this job. But there there is a need for leadership and you know a bit of extrovertedness even in this field. So there's a lot of interaction with clients. That's really important and very hard to avoid. Even even the lowest ranking engineer in my group still has to have some interaction with clients, and it's important. To, so it's important to have some good communication skills. 
And I think that's underrated in our industry. But there is still that just natural element of being someone who likes to solve problems, because that's a lot of what engineering is. We've got guidelines and codes and regulations that can point us in a direction. But once you're out there trying to assist a contractor building a building in the field and trying to figure out how to get a, a big wire from one side of the building to the other, you know, you have to be there and ready to to want to help figure out the problem. Another really important element is someone who enjoys working in a group because you cannot do engineering in a silo. So I'm an electrical engineer, but as an electrical engineer, you're on a project, you're going to be paired with a mechanical engineer, a plumbing engineer, an architect, an interior designer, possibly a structural or a civil engineer. And you have to be able to interact with all of those people. So if you were someone who really like enjoyed the group projects at school, engineering is definitely for you. Are there people like that? <laughs> I, I was one of those people. I loved that. I guess I'm uh, displaying why I probably shouldn't be an engineer. <laughs> That's really cool, though. That's a great way of thinking about it. And it never occurred to me that you would work with so many different types of engineers so closely. But yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. If you want to work by yourself and never talk to anyone else, maybe consider coding. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find as you do these interviews that um, something that's a, a little more in line with that. I did actually speak to a software engineer recently, and I think, yes, there's an element of that. I'm I'm wondering if I'll ever find a job where you can progress to the height of your field and not need some sort of strong communication skills. I'm sure they're out there, but I haven't run across one that I can think of yet. Yep. Unfortunately, it's very undervalued. I think there was only one class in college that I took on communications, and it was basically how to write a good email. Oh, wow. Yeah, what a gift. It was valuable. What are some things you love about your job, especially if they're things that people might not know? Well, I do. I love going out in the fields. I also really love teaching my younger engineers at this point. It's so exciting to design something and then to actually see it built. And you can drive by and point at a building and be like, I did the design for that building. I picked out every single one of those lights. I chose where every single lamppost went. I worked with the utility and got the power there. That's probably the most exciting part. That's really cool. Is there anything that's tough about it that you either didn't expect it at all or you didn't anticipate how challenging it would be? Dealing with clients. That's definitely something that you're not trained on in school. Yeah, there should be a whole class on that client relations. Yeah, client management is is so huge, particularly if you do want to go the leadership route. Uh, one of the really important ways that you show your value is by being able to speak with clients and to have business development conversations to bring work to the company because that's how that's how we function. That's how the company is profitable is that we have good relationships with clients. They come back for repeat business and they leave satisfied. Resolving problems on a job with a client can be very challenging. I can only imagine. So if you hadn't become an electrical engineer, do you know what you might have done instead or what a dream job would be for you? 
I don't think I really would have done anything other than engineering, but I did actually have quite good grades in writing Mm -hmm. in school, which again, you know, that communication element, I guess, really, it ended up helping me in engineering and I didn't think it would. But I think I may have gone into into some kind of writing career. I'm not sure if that would have been journalism or editorial or or actually like writing my own novels. But I really enjoyed it um, when I was younger. And I think I might have pursued that had I not known about electrical engineering. I think that's so cool. And I'm kind of using this question as a feeder for future people I want to have on to talk about what the reality of being a a writer might be like. That's when I'd be really interested to hear more about, certainly. Me too. All right. Last question. What's one piece of advice generally about work that you would give your younger self? I guess the, the hardest lesson that I learned was how to advocate for myself in terms of compensation. That was probably my most hard hard won lesson earlier in my career is to just know your value, know the industry. It's so easy to Google now or, or look on LinkedIn and there's information on the average salary for jobs in your area. You should know that and know your value to your company when you go to your boss for your annual review and you know that the average in the area is 95, but you're only getting paid 75. You need to know why am I not making that much money. And if if I'm doing something wrong, how can I get better? Yeah, I think so often it doesn't even occur to people that they can negotiate or they're afraid of the outcome. But especially once you have some experience under your belt and if you have some comparable salaries to talk about, if you can make a good case of your value to the company, it is definitely worth going for it. Yep. Talk to your peers. Talk to your peers. Maybe not at the same company where you work. I think that can make people uncomfortable. But if you've been through a job or two or you have friends that you graduated with that are working at other companies, talk to them and find out how much they're making. That is great advice. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. I've learned a ton about electrical engineering and it sounds like a really exciting field. So I really appreciate your time. It is a very exciting field. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it. I'm on working, working, work. I ain't never gonna stop. I'm on working. Thanks for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on iTunes. That's the best way to help others find the show. If you'd like to be interviewed here or you'd like to hear about a particular type of job, please reach out at realworkreallife at gmail.com.